Aircraft fuel is some of the most nasty, hazardous things to work with. It's even worse if you're the unlucky soul who must don the suit and dive into the tank. Picture the pleasant scenery of being stuffed into tight, dark spaces filled with toxic fumes and the sheer annoyance of possibly getting trapped inside. All the joys of tank diving. This is Tanks for Nothing. Tanks for nothing. That's exactly what it is. Especially when you're a portly some bitch like myself who has to try to squeeze the fat rolls in there. Anybody ever ever made bread before and had to knead the dough? So it was like fitting myself into a tank. <laughs> like or um, like uh, you get the the semi dry play doh and you try to try to really knead it through. That's pretty much what it's like. Or or uh, a, another picture is you guys ever seen the second Ace Ventura movie uh, when nature calls? There's a scene where he's stuck in the rhino and he has to like pop himself out of the tiny hole and it looks like <laughs> like uh, a baby rhino is coming out. That's what it more or less it feels like to squeeze into an, uh, a fuel tank. In most cases, there's some that are a little bit bigger, but not by a lot. I mean, I would say maybe you would have to like sit down like uh, cross-legged just to fit. And that's just to fit. And then imagine, you know, like you're being Ace Ventura <laughs> all coming up like a baby rhino <laughs> out of the Sit, freaking... Sitting there warm. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to your bunny suit? You went in with a bunny suit and you came out without it. What happened? Is <laughs> <laughs> the fuel it dissolved. <laughs> so I haven't, I don't have, prior to one specific job, I didn't have too much experience diving tanks. And then I took a position where I mean, it seemed like after every flight, we were inside the wing tanks of this uh, one specific aircraft. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget, and I was just talking about being a, a heftier individual and trying to get in and out of these these tanks, these access panels. But um, it was the day of my interview, and my soon-to-be supervisor was showing me around, around the shop floor and kind of giving me a tour and such. And we'd come up to the assistant crew chief, and the guy was sitting there typing at the computer and, you know, the supervisor introduces me to the guy and he, to the assistant and he spins around his chair, looks at me from head to toe and goes, great. Another fucking guy who can't fit in the wing tanks and spun back around and just kept typing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I was like, all right, I don't know what to do. And the, and the supervisor was like, ah, eh, he gets, he gets that way. And then we just kind of walked on. I was like, I, I don't know what to do though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I think that's kind of a good thing though. Like, oh, good, another guy who can't fit in the tank. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, thank God. You know. But the good news is, is me and that guy end up becoming pretty, pretty tight friends. You know, and and still nice. are to this day, even though we both don't don't work at that place anymore. But yeah, that was that was my first experience with like tanks. I didn't know I was going to be diving tanks at all, and he just turns at me, looks up and down, get out. <laughs> Get out. Imagine that in a job where like you show up and then they have like a like a tape measure, like you're going to be tailored for something. Just kind of go around, get, get some measurements like, yeah, you're no good. <laughs> you're, you're, too, you're not going to you're not going to fit. I, I mean, I, I kind of have heard of certain, you know, some some places kind of being that way. Like you're hired for a specific task, like you were hired for your size. Well, wow, really? Well, well, yeah, and they're like, "Well, why did you hire me for my size? I'm I'm skilled in this and this." And, yeah, well, that's that's fine and well if that job comes available, but you're small enough to fit in these places, so that's where we want you. So, <laughs> those people do that job, but they don't last very long in it cuz I mean, who wants to spend an eternity inside of a fuel cell? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
another movie that kind of illustrates this is um uh batman begins where like uh he's getting all this cool gear from his cool uh company and then they just look at it like what are you gonna do with all this gear there mr wayne like oh i'm gonna go cave diving and then the, like the, sh- the look in their faces like you're gonna what well he didn't say cave diving he said uh what is it uh, spelunking so he's like i'm gonna go spelunking I'm like what the fuck is spelunking oh yeah isn't that like the sport of caving like crawling through caves yeah repelling yeah. down inside caverns inside of caves and all that yeah so uh picture that but like on that has all the dangers of it but you get nothing nice out of it like i'm, a, I'm an aircraft spelunker <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's how you that's how you accelerate be an aircraft spelunker like all right what's that do oh see this See, you know how like with cave diving, you go into dark, deep, dark places and there's chances you may die. Yeah, like that. But you don't see anything nice in the end. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess being a, a tank person as well, you, you kind of use the skills you, you figured out in kindergarten, you know, the square peg in a round hole. Except yeah. you're the square peg trying to fit into an <laughs> undersized round hole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what it is. So uh, some some people right like okay what 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 why why would you guys do something so stupid why would you jump into a fuel tank well <laughs> um like all things air, aircraft that need to get fixed a fuel tank is one of them and some of those require you to jump inside it's yep, just it's just seals even 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 mods right the manufacturer could come out with oh we found out that after five thousand hours of flight uh, the stresses in this one specific area are too great and we have to replace these components or right, these structural yeah. members in there. And so there you are, find yourself inside of a tank with a, a headlamp drilling, drilling and banging rivets. <laughs> right. I think in my case, the most problems I've ever seen with fuel tanks that involved you having to dive in was uh, like bad electronics, like the gauges aren't working right. The, the fuel level is not working right. And you, you would, you would hope it's like some of the easier fixes, like, okay, I just, maybe the wire broke loose or something like that. So you just kind of have to tighten it back up or something. But then you get the unlucky times, which is half the time where you have to jump in, you have to pull the probe or pull whatever wires that are in the tank and then slowly try to fish it back the way it goes in the dark with maybe yourself at best case scenario, sitting cross-legged while doing it. And then worst case scenario, you're like literally like the the ball of Play-Doh trying to come out of the freaking jar. Or or half the time you're, you can, you know, the tank's not so big to fit your whole body, but you can get half of you in there, but it's upside down. Yeah. So you're working upside, you're like a, you're a bat, you know what I mean? And you work until, <laughs> yeah. until you start losing your eyesight because of the blood rushing to your head. Right. And you pop back out of the hole and sit there huffing fumes for a few minutes and you put your head back in. Right. And uh, I think you mentioned that to me in another episode where you'd have to have someone hold your legs like you're swinging on a monkey bar upside down to get just to make sure you don't fall in and then you go get stuck. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, that like if you went all the way down in on your head in these one fuel cells. Uh, yeah, you're not there's not enough room for you to to get down in there. There's literally enough room for you to be vertical, but head first is the only way you can go. So, yeah, somebody's got to sit there and tie a rope around your foot or just sit there. Indian style and holding your your feet and ankles in their arms. Right. Those are good times. You right. really learn about it, people that way. If you're lucky enough to get the tanks in the fuselage or the body of the plane, that's a little bit more roomy or forgiving than say like the wings like you mentioned MVP where like you have just enough to fit your head, maybe parts of your shoulder, but then that's about it. And then uh, you run into those issues where like 
the only way out is to go further in. Well, so in the one specific airframe that I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode, we, you, you could only, the access was on the top of the wing and then you had to go through ribs that had holes cut out in them. And so you might have to go, you, you'd get yourself down in and you'd have to finagle yourself through three sections over and you'd be, and there's only enough room for you to lay on your side. And again, if you're a, a larger individual, like your shoulders are wedged in between the upper and lower skin of the cell and you're sitting there with, you know, a grinder grinding paste and grinding cracks out of composites, you know, doing all that inspection. And then, and then beyond that, you have somebody down on the table doing layups for you. And then they'll basically carry them up to you, hang them down to you without trying to mess them up. And then you got to do, try to do a pristine layup that won't leak with minimum, minimal, minimal movement. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, and so much time you can work with because that, that, uh, resin's starting to cure. So it's, uh, it's a pain in the butt. But then when all that's done, like you were just saying, you, you're not going back out the way you came. Now you have to shimmy past that repair you just did without touching it. And then, and then be birthed out the bottom of the wing where the, where the exit hole was at. <laughs> and that's more or less what it looks like. Uh, I I've seen an ins uh, an instance where that happened to somebody where he couldn't go back the way he came. And in most cases you can't go back the way you came. So he's trying to squeeze his way out of this little access hole that's meant for like a freaking six-year-old. And you just see him go like head first, like just exactly like the Ace Ventura thing. <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> the aircraft is pooping out a human. <laughs> Pretty much. And then like, it, and because it was such a pain to get in and out of these, out of these tanks, and I'm sure others who, who actually do it and are more proficient no matter the aircraft, but there's sometimes you get in there and like break time comes around or lunchtime comes around. You're like, uh, I'm just going to stay in here and work. And then I'll just pop out of the tank two hours early before the end of shift to do paperwork and eat or something, because it's just, it's too much prep work to get yourself all suited up in a bunny suit, the mask, the LDLs, the equipment, you know, the ventilation tubes, taping your wrists and, and ankles off to pop in and out every couple of hours. You like, once you're in, you're in and yep. that's where you're hanging out at. Yep. And I've had, and I've heard some instances where people like they'll do the, they'll dive in and then they're, they would forget about them. They would just totally forget that they're in there until like you hear like this knocking sound either in the fuselage or in like bang, 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 bang. Like, what the hell is that noise? Oh, you mean like they closed off the access panel with them inside? Well, no, like no, they closed it off. They just like they forgot he was there. You know, they, they were so busy running around doing whatever else they had to do and they forgot he was in there. And then you just hear like click, click, like, like, oh, what the hell? What the hell is that noise? Oh, shit. There's someone in here. And then you see him kind of like slowly, like. It's one of those uh, that you got to have someone at the outside to help pull you out. <laughs> well, I've done that before. Like it was getting towards the end of the day. There was a guy up inside, you know, he was doing layups, grinding pace, but I hadn't heard the grinders or anything go for a while, which are all pneumatic. Right. And I hadn't heard right. those whizzing around in a while. So I was like, oh, I'm just gonna start cleaning up while I'm out here waiting on, waiting on them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I get there cleaning up and get to talking to people and whatever else. And next thing you know, all you hear is, Hey, Hey, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? Who's, who's, yeah, it sounds real faint and far away. <laughs> and you look up and you see this one little gloved hand, like sticking out of the panel, like waving around. And you're like, what'd you, what'd you take all my stuff for? And you're like, ah, oh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot you were there. Can you imagine that? You know, like you're just walking up to a plane. And you're like, hey, God. <laughs> yeah. Satan? <laughs> what was that? Was that, what was that? Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Ace Ventura. What was that uh, Jim Carrey movie? Where he was like, Satan? <laughs> oh, was that, was that was that the first 
pet detector or was that what was that um i think it was the first one yeah i want to say it was the first one i could be wrong yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> but that, that's such a good analogy because like a lot of the dumb shit he did especially when he's coming in and out of tight places or like he has to like really scrub himself down post whatever like with the einhorn incident that's more or less how you feel like once you get out of the tank you're like i'm still not clean <laughs> it burns everywhere now the the one thing i absolutely hate about fuel tanks other than the fact that it's dark and dangerous is it's never dry it's never bone dry Unless it's been sitting there for like months. So like they, they do all the prep work to bring it in because you have to do a fuel, ta- a, a fuel tank or fuel cell maintenance, which is shits, a shit storm as it is. And then being that first person to go into the tank post prep, there's always going to be shit in it. It doesn't matter how much you do. You can take vacuums to this thing. It's, it's still going to be there. And you're, so you're that one person who's going to be the mop basically to clean it up for everybody else after the fact. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, like, like from my experience, we would bring the well defuel, bring the aircraft inside, sump it, and then we would put um, we had these special like ventilation uh, tubes right. on like an air cart, and we would hook them up to the entrance and the exit, and then the exit would would uh, tubes went to uh, ports that were inside the hangar door. Mm-hmm. So if the doors were closed, they could still vent to the outside. Right. And then we would let them typically would like, we would do it on a, on a Friday, right? Friday evening. And then they would sit there and vent out all weekend mm. to try and dry them out as much as possible. Yeah. But even at that, sometimes you come in, it's like when you would send somebody inside the tank, you were going in there first with rags and an alcohol and alcohol to just mm-hmm. like mop up in the corners, you know, to get in there and get everything out. Cause there's, there's nothing worse. And you're laying there on your side and you're like, huh, my, uh, my foot feels kind of wet. Hmm. <laughs> And you're like, eh, maybe I'm just sweating. It's probably nothing. It's hot in here, you know, whatever, right. blah, blah, blah. Come out at the end of the day and your whole boot soaked and, <laughs> yeah. and your socks soaked. And you're like, now you got a rash. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the nasty things about fuel for a lot of you who don't know. Gasoline is one is one thing, but jet fuel or aircraft fuel is a totally different beast. It's in some cases, it's less volatile. Like it won't explode right away. But some Unless of the stuff. low lead. Yeah, oh yeah, unless it's under low lid, which then it's pretty much like you sneeze light. on it and it ignites. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she, oh, oh my god. <laughs> and then but uh just uh having contact with fuel, if any if there's anything plastic in there, it's gonna dissolve. If there's anything rubber in there, it's gonna dissolve. Uh if it touches your skin, at minimum you get a rash. Minimum. And that's one of those where like you have to shower, you have to use all these different kind of uh, very basic or basey. I guess the word basey is basey a word. Anyway, you have to use one of these special soaps to kind of get it off nicely without abrasing your skin or flaying your skin. Well, it, it also depends on the person because I know people that could spend, they could swim in a vat of, of, of jet fuel <clears throat> and not be affected. But for me specifically, uh, low lead, it gives me like almost like a second degree burn rash. Yeah. Yeah, like if I if I if I can mess with it for a few minutes, and as long as I wash my hands off pretty quick or whatever else, but like, um, if I have like small cuts in my skin, mm-hmm. like on my wrist or whatever else, and I'm down in a tank changing a filter out or something else, and I don't get that washed off within the hour, uh, it's like a chemical burn almost. Yeah, and then for jet fuel, jet fuel doesn't give me a rash, but what it does make me do is is void my internals. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's like. If you if it gets absorbed into my skin, I mean it's it's going to be game over in about 30 40 minutes. 
Yeah. It's like, it's like a one-time shot, but still that's, that's just something I've learned and experienced over the years. Um, you know, myself. Ma- you know, matter of fact, now that you mentioned that, I kind of had something similar with uh, JP8. I want to say it was J- it was JP8 or JP4, which is like, I want to say it was JP4 because we've almost never messed with that kind of shit. But I remember like we were working with it and then I had like the runs, like it was fucking cool, like bad. And it's one of those runs where you've, where you've already pooped out all the substance. So now you're just pooping water. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I thought I was dying. And then well, yeah, go- that happened to me overseas. And I was like, why am I? I was like, man, man, am I getting food poisoning? I was like, I don't feel like I have food poisoning, right? Because yeah. it doesn't make you like, you don't feel ill. You're just like, oh, I got to go. And, yeah. yeah. And, and same thing for me. I was like, what did I eat? And I was asking everybody else. I was like, did anybody else, anybody else uh, have uh, some issues today? Like, like, no, we had pretty much pure carbs at the, at the chow hall. So we're kind of, we're all kind of backed up, you know? <laughs> and then and then one of the guys I was working with pointed out, he's like, well, hey, you were messing with a lot of fuel earlier. He's like, it's probably that because I guess that guy has the same thing. And that's kind of how I how I learned about it. And I started paying attention and, and doing experiments. And uh, yep, sure enough, man. <laughs> That'd be one of the shit, the shittier experiments. Ha, <laughs> funny, shitty. Or like, <laughs> like, what makes me poop besides coffee? Huh? Fuel. <laughs> coffee, fuel, stress. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. You know, you had coffee that morning. The food you're eating in the defect, mm-hmm. plus the other caffeine you've had throughout the day, plus stress, plus fuel. Mm-hmm. Oh right? my god! But talk about talk about one of those uh, weight loss goals <laughs> in the worstest way, right? In the worst way, it's like <laughs> they say, you drink the Mexican water, you know, and you'll 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 lose weight quick. It's pretty much that's the maintainer's uh, weight loss, right? <laughs> so another uh, uh, off topic, but just as funny is. About where since we're going about things that give you explosive diarrhea is uh, eye drops. Eye drops will give you will give you the shits like it's cool. Um, and how I found this out was we had this one supervisor who was just being a fucking dick, right? And then one of the other senior mechs had this idea like, you know, I'm a fuck with this guy just because he's being such an asshole to us. He takes his uh, it's not visine, think it was like clear eyes or something like that. He puts like three or four drops in his uh, in his drink. Within like three minutes of him downing his drink, he like he like bolted out of there like oh, bro, bro. <laughs> really that quick? Oh yeah, God. yeah. So well, like everybody listening, um, you didn't hear it here. If that's what you choose to do, <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. Do not do that. <laughs> do not do that at home. But if you happen to, please send us your stories. <laughs> yeah, I was I was blown away. Like really, I, really, damn. Well, now I know. <laughs> it's not like we're trying to do some crazy chemical uh, creation shit, right? Like the make a cupcake and have it like this really fancy frosting and then he's like exploding. <laughs> All like in major pain. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's got a cast iron stomach, man. Look, you saw you saw their faces like, why, why is nothing happening? And then he freaking just lets one rip and the dude passes out. <laughs> <laughs> Guy tanks it as he's walking down the, walking down the line. Um, <laughs> So dive in fuel tanks. Now I, I don't have any experience in, in the airlines or whatever else or anything with major, major lav tanks, but do you think they have to dive lav tanks? Is any, I guess we should ask our listeners, those who have, if anybody knows or has done that, yeah, let us know that story. Cause I couldn't imagine diving I, a fuel tanks bad enough, but I would do that any day over diving a lav tank. Like, can you, you would probably, well, you'd probably have to get in there. You'd have to obviously drain everything out. Mm-hmm. You'd have to get in there, like power wash it. Right. Down, I would assume. 
I would assume. I, I don't know. And then, and then crawling, but I, I just couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Ima- I, I would never do, do it. it. Yeah. Like, nope, no way. MEL that for days. Right. <laughs> I have done some pretty crappy jobs, but I will never, I will never dive a lab. If that's a thing, if that's even a thing that you're supposed to do, I, I wouldn't do it. Cause even with the stories of some of our patrons and some uh, other listeners have shared with us, like guys would just like, dunk, dunk their hand in it to fish around for stuff. And they'll come out with like some type of TB or come whatever. Come out with hepatitis C is what they yeah, come out with. Yeah, yeah, like fuck that. And then you're going head first, shoulders first into the whole tank. And, I, and I can. I, I know you probably got rubber boots. I know you have rubber boots, gloves, a bunny suit of some type, some sort of respirator system, some sort of ventilation system. Despite all that, my biggest fear would be some sort of seal or breach happening in the suit that I'm wearing or the, the respirator that I'm wearing. And then just being rushed with those fumes and, or my skin contacting those fluids. Like I just, Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. Fuck. No, you don't, you can't pay me enough for that shit. (laughs) No, if it's, if it's like, Hey, you do that or you lose your job. Well, bye Felicia. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Fuck this. Screw that. Now, for those of you who do, who do it for a living, man, you guys deserve all the fucking money. Give them all the Powerball tickets, all the Mega Millions tickets. These guys do too much for convenience. Yeah, yeah. And if we have listeners that do that, uh, please please write us and let us know the steps that you take to undergo and precautions. Because I'm I'm genuinely concerned and intrigued right now, <laughs> just thinking about that job. And mm. I just I can't imagine. I'm going, I'm running through the steps in my head that I would take before taking on that, that job. Right. And I, I still, it's not enough. Yeah, it's right. called walking out the door. Right. <laughs> I, I, the only way, the only way I could, I imagine myself doing it is like, oh, you have to get in there and fish out this rare jewel. That's the most priceless item in the entire world. Some sort of Indiana Jones thing. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> right. And like, oh, if you get that jewel out, it's yours free and clear. And you'll never, you'll be the ruler of the planet or some sort. It's one of the, one of the infinity (laughs) stones. You know what I mean? Like, okay, it might be worth, it might be worth taking, taking the risk, but I, but that, but that's only one time, you know, like that's one time time deal. And even then I'm going, yeah, but it's how many, is it only one infinity stone? Which one is it though? (laughs) Right. Is it the one where like I touch it and I die or what? Or is it the one where I can reverse time? So I get this thing and I reverse time. Like I never had to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or is it the one where like I can teleport out of it if I get stuck, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Not the one where like I touch it and everything around me explodes, you know? It just, just, everything disintegrates. Yeah. (laughs) No. Or it's like someone hold my foot, so in case it's the one, you know, at least we all, at least we don't die at once. <laughs> Man, that's uh, I don't yeah. know, but I, I'd be interested to know what kind of steps you guys undergo for that. No kidding, man. If, if that's even a thing, if that's a thing, man, kudos to all of you. And if and then what sort of steps, like MVP said, what do you guys take? Because with fuel, I could like uh, we got ventilators, we got bunny suits, we got uh, rags, alcohol, all kinds of stuff to kind of make it as safe as possible. And even then, it's still relatively dangerous yeah i mean you you never never that fuel smell never goes away mm-hmm. no matter how long you ventilate it no matter how you know it's it's there and then you got to think about when you're done doing the job and you're resealing hatch panels or different uh lap skins or whatever down inside from whatever work you were doing 
I mean, you got the smell of that, that pro seal or B half or whatever else. And that's, that's pretty potent stuff as it is too. So kick, kick. Yeah. And, uh, the one, the ones I've, I've experienced the most of is the self sealing, um, uh, fuel cells. Like, um, oh, like have, if it gets shot, if it gets shot at all. Yeah. So it okay. has like, it has like this, uh, this film of gel around the cell. So in the event, like it gets shot or punctured for whatever reason, the it's the gel supposed to react to the fuel and then it makes like a kind of like a like tire sealant almost like that expandable foam that you yeah. see yeah yeah not 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 as awesome as it but you know like it'll slow it down enough for you to get where you need to depending on how many holes obviously but is it flex seal <laughs> flex seal is a preservative friend <laughs> it it preserves the age <laughs> uh, I mean, it might as well. If it, it, you might as well put Flex Seal on when you go tank diving. At least that's one added layer to dissolve before it gets to you. It's, should the bunny suit ever fail? Fuck that. Which which they always fail. They always fail. And uh, there's this there's this one uh, test they go through in almost every military basic training. They 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 call it different names. They call it the gas chamber. They call it the quote unquote confidence chamber. <laughs> and what it is is like, it's not to so much gas you it's just to make you feel that your gear works aka your mask and your your bunny suit or trust uh, the equipment so to speak right yeah so and no no they'll kind of no they'll go through these tests and then the whole time you're just feeling kind of shady about it like all right we're gonna do we're gonna test the confidence of your of the seal of your mask and your gear so everyone do jumping jacks shake your head do all kinds of silly exercises and then and the whole time they're like my seal's gonna freaking pop in any second and then to make matters worse, they they tell you to pop the seal, and then uh, and then put it back on so you can reestablish the seal. Man, you should see some of people's faces when they pop that seal, and they'll wait for everyone to do it. So you get you try to get you get those one or couple individuals who really hold out until the very end, and so everyone else already popped their seal and they're like trying to hold their breath and and survive. And then yeah, and then the other ones are really holding out. It's like okay, maybe if I don't do it, they'll tell me to put it back on and then i'll be fine like i never did it but then everyone else is starting to cough and shit like take off your bag (laughs) break yourself you piece of shit (laughs) oh my gosh oh jesus man flex seal (laughs) flex seal flex seal and like going going back to the whole with the whole diving thing man like that if that was a tour that'd probably be like the one tour that get like zero reviews like 100% 100% Rotten Tomatoes, 100% uh, zero, uh, negative reviews on Yelp. Just fucking no. Um, I would say the only thing worse than, or the only couple of things that are worse than diving a fuel tank is A, the lav tank, and B, working with oxygen. Well, yeah, O2 is, is a finicky, finicky thing. I mean, you have to make sure like your tools, hands, everything are free of any oil and contaminants and all that. But, right, yeah. But I, I didn't have, um, I didn't really have two... Like the first couple of times I was nervous about it. And I, I guess that's even to this day, still messing with O2, I get a little, little nervous about it, but maybe that's a good thing. Cause it, it forces you to take extra precautions and not just kind of slack off about it, which is where then incidents occur and you hurt yourself. Right. Like if there's anything on an aircraft that's more flammable or uh, reactive than fuel, it'd, it'd be oxygen. <laughs> I learned real fast, man. Like fuel, fuel, oxygen, do not fuck with these two things. Period. Like take all the absolute steps, take all the precautions, even if it just sounds off the wall too much. That too much might be the part that just saves your life. I would say with Skydrill too, under 
pressurized systems, you know, oh, like fuck, 3000 yeah. plus systems. Eesh. Yeah. Well, with Skydro, man, like that, like if you even get so much as a pinhole of a, of a crack in any of the lines and that system flows through 3000 PSI through like a little pin needle is like basically like a bullet, you know? Yeah. It's uh, one of those like uh water jet cutting, cutting tools, you know? Yeah. They use high pressure water to cut through aluminum and such. Mm-hmm. Well, that and it's just caustic and corrosive and you'll burn. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll get chemical burns like a mother on yourself. I mean, it's, that's like we talked in another episode. You didn't realize you, you thought you washed your hands well enough until you went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Right. Hey, can you go back six and talk about that, uh, fuel cell gel? So if puncture impact, whatever, and it seals itself. So yeah. You, can you can you elaborate on that a little more? Kind of explain what it is and what it does and how it reacts and so from and, and if you have is it a time change item? Do you have to replace it every so often? Does it come with the fuel cell? Say you have to replace the entire fuel cell. Do you have to? Yeah. So the from what I understand, I don't know the exact name of the gel, other than this is called ballistic gel, but that comes from that comes with the the fuel cell itself. So. Uh, the, whatever manufacturer that makes it, it's already coated in this stuff. And what it's supposed to do is, is think of it like the slime tire sealant. You get a puncture, then it's supposed to react with the air. Or in the tire sealant's case, it reacts with the air, and then it makes like this rubber seal. For the ballistic gel, if it gets punctured, say like for a bullet, or someone just got real stupid and stabbed a, a, a screwdriver through it, which is really fucking stupid. Um, it's supposed the fuel is supposed it's supposed to react between the fuel and the air and it makes like this little patch say um with the fuel with the fuel tank um most most cases this ballistic gel will handle up to say a like a 30 millimeter sized hole i would say about 30 millimeters damn that's that which is pretty good, you know, considering especially if you apply this to military, where cases where they'll get shot up, like in our previous episode with uh, with Tim and Artek, you get enough holes in this thing. I mean, you would hope the fuel would stick, but as far as how many holes it can plug up before it just fails itself, I'm not too clear on that. That's actually pretty interesting. I'd be curious to know that. And 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 it, you know, all right, you get shot up, you make it home. That's what it's supposed to do. Is it an immediate? fuel cell change oh yes it you know or is it one of those like hey we took two rounds in it but it sealed itself up uh let's, let's do a hot refuel and head back out to support the fight i you mean know, if, I, i'm kind I mean, of curious to, to know if it's a so f- so for at least with us when when i went through it's like once once it gets the hole it's pretty much like your sign like you need to replace this now depending on where you are and what it is, it might take you a while. So some guys might just say, fuck it and roll it until it leaks forever. <laughs> but uh, in most cases, when it gets a puncture and the fuel and the gel activates, you're supposed to replace it right off the bat. Or um, every, every day prior to a flight, you're supposed to take a fuel sample of it to make sure that the gel doesn't break down. And you can kind of tell you take when- take a sample of the gel? No, the sample. So you take a fuel sample. Oh yeah, yeah, a fuel right? sample. Okay, I thought you. Were and then, trying. sorry. And then, and then, if the gel is breaking down or or uh, decomposing, you'll see it like uh, swimming around in the fuel. Kind of, it kind of looks like a like a kid just like kind of spit his food into his sprite. If you know yeah, what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's backwash. Yeah, so like backwash. So it looks like that. And um, how, somewhat, how how many flight hours typically go by before you you would start to see it breaking down? Do you remember or? 
Uh, I've seen somewhere like it can it can go pretty much till its next uh, overhaul inspection before they have to really mess with it. But it, I've only seen it broken down once, but that was because it was a faulty fuel cell, not because of the the gel itself. Like whatever they did to prep it to have the gel on, it just didn't stick. Okay, so the gel is ex. I'm I'm asking questions because I don't know. The gel is external to the fuel cell, like wrapped in wrapped around it, sort of like remember like the M wraps had those. Uh, I want to say yes, uh, but what the fuel is actually, it, the gel is inside the fuel. It's inside the tank. Oh, oh, okay. So I was, yeah. uh, I was, uh, here's what I was envisioning. I was envisioning, envisioning a, your, your tank composite aluminum, whatever you want to, whatever it is. Right. With like a, a, it sat in like a, a sheath almost of uh, the gel. Yeah. So, but okay. All no, right. Like, Makes no, sense the, one, to be on the, the, the ones I've seen, it's, it's, it's pretty much like picture it like, uh, like a uh, tire sealant, like I, I keep referring to that because that's more or less how you will, how I would assume it's applied is you make the cell and then you have like a person that kind of goes in there and just either paints it or like fills it up to a certain degree, then puts pressure into it. So it blows it onto the walls and then it kind of lets stays there until it dries. That's I assume. But th- that that was that level of maintenance or manufacturing is like well above my level of awareness. So. If there's anyone out there who makes those kind of cells with the gel, please tell us how it, how it's done. Cause I bet there's YouTube videos too we could check out and and see as well. But I mean that still might be classified proprietary information. True. So don't know that either. Don't want to have anybody in black SUVs knocking on my door for searching <laughs> the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if on the big jets, right? So we 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 have one of our Patreons and and he dives um, larger aircraft. And uh, I forgot to ask him when we when we were talking with him, but um, I wonder if on the big jets if they have that ballistics gel in there. Um, um, in that's the fuel a good cell. question. So, like, if they finish doing repairs, maintenance inside of the tank, do they then have to like get roller brushes of this gel, you know, five gallon buckets, and they're rolling out the entirety of the in- interior of the tank? Or I, I don't know because you know typically those jets, the only time they would be able to take a round like that is on. Short final, just after takeoff, or while it's sitting on the ground, right during flight, you know, those those things are cruising at thirty to forty thou. So I right. doubt uh, they're going to take anything it. up there, <laughs> unless like you know we're talking like World War Two movies where they're shooting flak up from like uh, anti air yeah. cannons and stuff like that. Which, right. but I'd be just curious to know if on the heavies if they if they use that too or if they for weight savings purposes and the chances of it taking around in today's day and age. It, they don't do it for, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming probably most of the aircraft that use that would be some fast movers, low out stuff and helos. Right. Yeah. Which is the case for my end was low, was low out or helos or, uh, or close air, uh, close air ground support, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I would assume yeah. those would do it because they're the ones most likely to get holes punched in them for. Yeah. I imagine an A-10 would have those, right? Cause they're, they're coming in low. I would assume so. That, that'd be a good question. I mean, you saw that. We saw that A-10 was a female pilot in Iraq, I think it was. And she, like, lost a wing, a tail, an engine, still made it home. I think it was all beat to shit. But, um, I, yeah, I wonder. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say that those those tanks on that aircraft are probably sealed. I would I would hope so. You know, I could imagine, like, the ice in that person's nerves, man, to take that kind of a hit and still find the means to go home. Well, just think about uh, Tim on the last uh, on the last episode. I mean, several of him and the guys at RTAG, they 
they all took rounds and it's just like, ah, eh, another day. It just sounds like, sounds like somebody's smacking a metal spoon on a metal pan, you know? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, okay. If you say so, I mean. <laughs> right. Or, uh, or like some of the Vietnam era guys were like, oh yeah, I took some rounds to my tail, the bottom, the floorboard, the, the propeller, the road, the main roller, all kinds of stuff. like, fuck man. Yeah. I lost a skid and R- RPG hit, hit the left side or the flack of an R- RPG. Yeah. I was like, like, Jesus, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was looking at... This is from Wikipedia, so don't shoot me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, yeah, the self-sealing fuel tank is a type of fuel tank that typically is used in uh, aircraft fuel tanks, yada, yada, yada. Um, typically has multiple layers of rubber and reinforced fabric, one of vulcanized rubber, and then um, one of untreated natural rubber that can stop a fuel swell. Um and in in six, you were right in that uh, it's a similar concept to like uh, run flat tires, mm. right? To where it's gonna it's gonna sit there and then you know close that hole as best as it can. Right. And you said it's it's a mix of the gel, the or the gel is this a one mix doesn't of mention gel. This one mentions uh, various types of rubber, but um, what is vulcanized rubber? Like I know in some rocket motors they use. A specific type of rubber as a chemical reaction and it's a it, it burns as and used as a propellant and all that kind of stuff now i'm not i'm no rocket motor technician or scientist so you know it seems like it's meant it's a process that's meant to harden the rubber mm, okay okay that might be that may be another so that's what vulcanized means right it's to harden correct mm. so mm. So, so that may, okay, well, so we all remember the old Bloodhound Gang song, um, Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Kilo, <laughs> when he said vulcanize the whoopee stick. Nope, oh, now I know what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Uh, expanding oh my God. vocabulary. How old, were, how old were you when you learned what vulcanize meant? <laughs> I was today eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> no. The closest thing I understand to vulcanize is from, you know, like, um, like the word Vulcan, which pretty much means to be like a metalsmith. That's as close as I get. So when it's talking about like <laughs> vulcanize the wait, wait, stick, Vulcan, Vulcan means metalsmithing. Well, you know, Vulcan, like the She's Roman so God Vulcan, the, 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 the hammersmith God guy. Uh, I guess I don't. So, oh, I, should so read, I should read more. So Vulcan is like the Roman version of, of Hephaestus, the Greek God, the, the blacksmith God. So, oh, okay. So right. that's the closest I understand the Vulcan. Oh, that and the machine gun. That's about it. So we learn something new every day. Hell yeah. You're all learning with us. We're all a bunch Man, of fucking idiots. Uh, hope our li- hopefully our listeners don't think less of me right now. Boy, what, a, <laughs> what a dumas I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's I had no the- idea that Vulcan was the, the Roman god for like, like Hephaestus. It's because everybody the knows the Greek gods less about the Roman gods. Yeah, it's, it's true. They don't it's really true. teach the Roman gods. Right? Like those freaking copycat mooks. <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. The The only reason why I know that is because uh, of the TV show Spartacus, where they every so often uh, make mention of Roman gods and sometimes in not so in not so nice or very colorful ways, like Zeus or Jupiter's thundering cock. <laughs> Oh my god! You know what? I have I, I've watched some of that show too, but I you know it was deployed years ago, and I haven't. I probably haven't watched any of that in six or seven years. And so, but now that you said that, uh, I do remember that from the one one of the main characters. He used to say that quite a bit. 
Yeah, it was funny. I remember uh, watching that that series, and of course, I'm watching this with nine, and she's like, "What the fuck?" There's always uh, like girls being nude in all these type of series and type of TV shows or movies, but there's never any male nudity. And then the second she said that, like freaking dick swinging all over the fucking place. <laughs> well, there you go, <laughs> male like, nudity. Well, there, there really is something for everyone. <laughs> There you go. So there you go for all you ladies out there. Spartacus, if you haven't watched it and you're all about if you're all about seeing that equal opportunity for male nudity, that's a show to watch. Fuck. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Oh, that took a turn for the worst. Oh shit. <laughs> so anyways, tank diving. <laughs> the worst tank diving. The worst kind of diving that could er, that you can do minus say a lavatory diving, which it's just that just sounds gross. I I ha, I feel, I feel like, like I'm getting the term, I feel like the term spelunking works works more for the lab diving than the fuel tanks. But what do I know? <laughs> aircraft spelunking. Mm. Explore the the deep dark corners of an aircraft fuel tank slash lab tank. You might not make it out though, but you know whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm curious to see some of the stories that come across from people about the lab tank diving. So I have make a sure question. I- very well. Uh, are there any uh, long-term health problems coming from uh, tank diving? Oh man, let me let me tell you. I mean, I think the biggest one of all would probably be cancer. Okay. <laughs> Just because. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have some respiratory respiratory issues for sure. Um, a lot of people will have like. Now I don't know about so much anymore because obviously the health standards and codes and regulations and everything you have to do to perform these jobs has changed from 1950s to to now but um i i do remember reading an article talking about some old maintainers and there's a lot of it was like pancreatic stuff back in the day right you know you're getting all the toxins in through your skin and then uh mm-hmm. it just just pretty much it's like it, it, they say attribute it to like heavy heavy drinking your entire life so to speak yeah that kind of that kind of damage you know yeah so like uh, there's 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 the skin rashes which we talked about. There's the lung problems and the pancreas problems, like what MVP is talking about. There's also cancer, but I think nowadays almost anything aircraft related causes cancer. And then what's the uh, what's the scientific term for your nose? The uh, uh, I mean ol- nasal, but like isn't there another uh, olfactory? Is it olfactory? Olfact- is that it? Olfact. Oh, olfactory. Sure, like you want to, you want to, you want to goo gaggle that one for us. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> goo gaggle. <laughs> anyways, but, one but of yeah, those. You, but yeah, you, you, your senses kind of get dulled from co- that constant fumes day mm-hmm. in and day out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that, that's some of that stuff is just straight up nasty. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I think I, I'm suffering some ill effects from it. Like I can't smell worth the shit. Or unless like it's like uh, very strong, like it coats the room with it. But if it's just like everyday stuff, it's almost, it's like near impossible for me to smell it. Well, yeah, you can almost go nose blind to it too, right? After a while, anybody who's worked around certain smells or chemicals, like after a while, you just kind of, like somebody walks into your house and you're like, oh, God, were you guys cooking bacon? And you're like, oh, like four days ago. I mean, I don't smell anything, you know, but, right. but somebody who's new to that environment. Mm-hmm. They're picking up on it right away. Yeah, it's some nasty stuff, man. And for those of you guys who are still who are working on aircraft that involves doing those tank dives, I man, hats off to you guys because that's one of the jobs I 
freaking hate doing. Uh, there, there was an article, I think it was Aviation Pros Magazine, where it was talking about, well, this was in California around 2001, where they, like, out of 36 million die, tank dies that happened, there's about 20 to 30 some individuals that don't make it out from diving. Really? Yeah, it's freaking wild. And and I would assume that it doesn't give me an age or how many times they dive. It just says like there's chance there's like a twenty to thirty out of a of a couple of million chances of you not making it out of the tank. So, well, I think that's typically why they try to send. Wasn't um, I forget his name, but um, wasn't he telling us that they typically send in two at a time? Or you? I know, like I know when I was tank dive, you couldn't fit two people in there, but you had one person. Uh, you ha- I think that's the actual the the standard now is you have to have. Um, somebody watching, or or witnessing, or or whatever they're they're monitoring oxygen levels, fume levels, all these different things. Right? They're, yeah. They're they're checking on the person in the tank, making sure they're still doing good. Right. Yeah. They're um, keeping people away from the open fuel cell area. You know, so you know they're helping prevent uh, contaminants and all that kind of other stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And most cases when they do uh, uh, tank dives or any kind of fuel cell maintenance, they would tag out everything within like. Uh, within that hangar space, like do not turn on power, do not uh, come within 50 feet unless you're supposed to be working on it, stuff. And then for the guys, yeah, we, actually- we had lockout tag out um, tags we put on circuit breakers up in the cockpit. There were signs that we would put in the cockpit too. If somebody walked in, you know, um, typically we'd have the area, whole area roped off and you would have to get the outside observer, the external there. So it's the word I'm looking for, the external observers approval to before entering that area right right before yeah. even coming coming in around the, the aircraft itself but yeah it's um a lot a lot of stuff going on it's a lot better now than i'm sure it was but that's still a crazy number that 20 some people out of i don't remember however many you said but yeah like uh i think like 20 36 million something like that even then you know for most people like oh that's a pretty low number but i mean if you consider that but like i said like we were just saying you consider the steps that have been taken to mitigate risk in today's day and age and in the new developments of safety equipment, whatever else that, that still seems like a high number. Very much so. And that's Very. not a job that's going away in aviation anytime soon. Cause we're only building bigger aircraft. Yep. Yep. And the stresses of flight aren't dissipating anytime soon. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, closing thoughts, MVP. Uh, again, hats off to all of you who, who dive tanks, who do the work inside of there. Uh, you tie in with our master craftsman episode. You guys uh, are able to do some impressive work in not so impressive areas and with uh, limited space and uh, resources and everything else. So uh, well done. Those of you who dive labs, man, I hope you don't have to do that too much longer. <laughs> if, if, that's even, if that's even a thing. like If it's even a thing. And yeah, I, hope so- it, I, hope, I hope it's not. So for those, for the listeners out there, if you do lav dive, if it's even a thing or even uh, tank dives, like what sort of steps do you guys take to prep uh, before, during, and after you guys do that dive, especially for the labs? If that's even a thing, we seriously want to know, like, how do you purge out the shit so you guys don't get hepatitis or any kinds of other disgustingness in that tank? Uh, We like to thank our patrons for helping us uh, make this episode and then keep Shoreline ever the happy and grateful to make this episode for us. Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Stephanie Boltman, Jenny Dignan, Ryan Frushauer, Daniel Schubert, and Steven Shivers. Thank you guys so much for all your support and helping us cr- uh, keep cranking out these episodes. Uh, check out our sponsors at rockworldtime.com. 
They make all kinds of uh, products such as snowboard goggles and other kinds of outdoorsy equipment. Use the code CX4MX and save 20% off your purchase. Visit us at cancelformaintenance.com if you have some topics, stories for the show, or you want to be a guest on the show. Uh, shoot us a line on that contact us section and we'll do whatever we can to get you on the show or get your ideas on the show. Again, uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash council for maintenance. Your support helps us continue to make episodes, continue to hit milestones and keep the gremlins from sabotaging our shit. Thank you. Have a good day.